You're listening to the 8th Day Coaching Podcast, where you will gain clarity, direction, and balance on your God-inspired life journey. I'm your certified professional coach, Chad Etzel. You're listening to episode 2B, and it's 2B because this is the bonus episode. It builds on the last episode, which I talked about the structure of the hero's journey. And this episode is about my journey and how my life fits into the structure of the hero's journey. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the previous episode, I encourage you to listen to that one before listening to this one. So just taking a chance to recap the hero's journey and what I talked about last time. You have a hero who is living an ordinary life. And then there's six major steps that I talked about. Of course, there's many other steps in in these stories. But number one is the, the call to adventure. The hero is called into event, into some sort of adventure. Then that hero refuses the call, that's step two. But then eventually the hero decides to go on the adventure and the third step happens, crossing the threshold. So the hero crosses whatever threshold it is. And then four, supernatural aid helps the hero on the adventure. Step five, The hero faces a road of trials and gets to a point where it seems all hope is lost, but then overcomes the challenges and the trials to getting to step six, which is victory, and bestowing blessing upon others. So we discussed how this fits with Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, Frodo from The Lord of the Rings, and Simba from The Lion King. And of course, I I had mentioned that it goes with any other superhero movie or story from Captain America to Batman to many others like Harry Potter or even Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games. And obviously these are very pop culture type episodes or movies, TV shows, and and so on. But really beyond those are other uh, other things like classical classical stories from Shakespeare to Greek mythology and, and so on and so forth with other mythologies of cultures that never had any sort of contact with one another. Really, my take-home point in that episode is that your journey is the hero's journey. And that's why this type of storyline, the storyline of the hero's journey, speaks to our souls. And that's because the story is about us. And particularly as Christians, I think the hero's journey really resonates so well with the human soul because the hero's journey is God's story for humanity. Now, each of us is called from an ordinary life to an extraordinary life. Just like Jesus, you see in the Gospels, he has this ordinary life for 30 years and then kind of enters an extraordinary world of working miracles, dying on a cross, rising from the dead. But further, his story is the reverse. He lives in an extraordinary world or supernatural world and enters into the natural world so that we go from the natural to the supernatural. He comes to draw us into the extraordinary life, the supernatural life. And as many of the the church fathers say, or early Christian writers say, God became man so man might become like God. St. Athanasius said that, but there's several others like Irenaeus or St. Thomas Aquinas who said similar things. And the human destiny is just so... is the human destiny really is to transcend nature. It's not just to live a human life, but to live in relationship with God and to become like God. So I'm going now to share my story using these elements. My goal is really to show 
you how I, I discovered my call towards ministry into coaching. And I hope that you can relate with my story and see how you might be able to hear God's voice in your own life. And so just kind of starting before really my call to adventure, just kind of want to set the scene of my own ordinary life, really feel like I lived the American dream growing up as a kid. And I had a, a mom and dad, they were married, we had, a, we had a house, I had an older sister, and it was just a, a very happy family. I, I have very fond memories of Saturday morning cartoons and playing sports on Saturday, basketball, soccer, as, as just as a little kid, and enjoying pizza and video games on, on Friday nights with my friends, and family gatherings at Christmas. I, I remember there was one time, I'm, I'm from Oregon, and in Portland, Oregon, it doesn't snow all that much, but one time it did, and we didn't have to go to school because we had a snow day, and a, a couple of friends and I built an eight-foot snowman. We rolled the, the snowballs from one person's house in another person's house and then met in the middle at, at my place and we built this eight-foot snowman. Really, really awesome. But it, it was kind of like this this very comfortable life in a way and it, very similar to Frodo in the Shire, just that, that comfort in, in that place. Now, my life was not without challenges. My, my parents divorced when I was seven, and they remarried to others when I was in middle school, and that, that is a big part of my story. But at the same time, I still feel privileged because they, they lived five minutes away from each other. I, I'd say that that weathered the storm. I, I wouldn't say that that's a replacement. There's no replacement for having a, a married mother and a father. But I, I know that despite the trials, there's been a lot of really good things that have happened in my life and a lot of things that have shaped who I am. And one of the things growing up that was certainly a big part of, of my own story, and, and I guess setting up the hero's journey, the, the ordinary life, was my passion for football and, and basketball. Now, if you don't know me, I am five foot five with shoes, and I'm not, I'm not super athletic. And so basketball and football were not really sports that I, I played on a super competitive level. Now, I, I got on that career path and realized that one of the things that I could do if I couldn't play, at the very least, what I could do is be a manager, be a student manager. And that's what I did. So in high school, my senior year, I was a manager for the football team and then the basketball team, went on to Oregon State University. And I was with the Oregon State football team for a year as a, an equipment manager, moved over to men's basketball for a couple of years. And in fact, I also studied exercise and sports science. So everything from my, my college major to other activities, such as being a, a residence hall coordinator for sports, like sports recreation coordinator, to doing my thesis, my honors undergrad thesis on injury prediction in the sport of basketball. All those things were adding up to a, a promising career in sports, even to the point where I ended up getting an internship my senior year. And it was for the New York Knicks G League team, the Erie Bayhawks. So I moved from Portland, Oregon, all the way across the country to Erie, Pennsylvania. And I got to work in minor league basketball, which was really, really awesome to, to do that. But that was really where I experienced the call to adventure. So that's really that first step in the hero's journey. After living this ordinary life, entering into this, the, being called to adventure, and it happened in a number of different ways. I know that certain heroes, it might be, hey, here's one particular instance where 
the call happens. But I think for a lot of us, the call happens in, in steps along the way. And I, I had been involved at the Newman Center, the, the campus ministry, when I was at Oregon State, really going on faith retreats. And, and I had been growing my faith, being not just going on retreats, but also attending small groups on a weekly basis and, and growing in my, my love for sacred scripture. At that time, especially when I was going on to my internship that summer, Borders was going out of business. Now, Borders was this this bookstore back in the day that was a really awesome place. It was a coffee shop. You can browse books and, and just kind of hang out there all day if you really wanted to. Kind of like Barnes & Nobles, I think, has a, a similar setup. But as they were going out of business, I, I was looking around and, and encountered the the religion section, and particularly the, the Christianity section, Catholic Christianity, I started looking at, at books that were, were on the shelves there, started pulling off different ones, and, and had a real opportunity to spend some time that summer reading those books. And so on an intellectual level, my, my mind was being formed. As I was moving to Erie that fall, one of the books that I had picked up it was a book that talked about relationships and relationships and also religion. And researcher had gone on to college campuses. And what she was doing was she was interviewing students on these, these different college campuses just to see how people were approaching relationships, how people were approaching religion, and just doing basic data collection. And what she had found is that there was a crisis in spirituality and there was a crisis in relationships. What she had found is that most colleges, she found that people were hooking up and not dating, despite most of the people really wanting a relationship. There was a lot of despair. There was a lot of hopelessness. And what she also found is that there was a disconnect from their their relationships or their lack thereof, I guess, their, their hooking up, and a, a hunger for a relationship with God. They, they wanted relationships. They wanted healthy relationships. They wanted relationship with God. A lot of them approached from the lens of, I'm spiritual but not religious. But ultimately, despite these expectations and these desires, they were settling up for the hookup culture. And this was something that, yes, I, I was able to kind of see this in the more academic research. But then at the same time, I was... I was also recognizing that this is something that's relatable in, in people that I, I knew in, in my life, my, my friends, and, and so on. That it just being on a college campus, seeing that experience, but also kind of seeing the depths of the hearts in these interviews that this researcher had. Now, as I had been growing in my own faith, I had been diving into content of just different Christian authors, one of which was... John Paul II, The Theology of the Body, basically what that is, is understanding what the human body tells us about who God is, because he is the artist and, and we are his artistic creation. And, and so understanding that, we, we can understand God's purpose for our relationships, our sexuality, and, and so on. And then also growing in an understanding of what chastity really is as more of sexual integrity, living a, a virtuous life, as opposed to just simply it being about abstinence. And just those those two worlds were there, seeing the need, seeing the, the issues in the culture, seeing that desire in the culture, but also then seeing the answer. And in living out that myself, living out healthy relationships myself, I, I started to realize, okay, there can be a bridge here. And there's there's a definitely a need 
in, in our world here. And as I was, as I was thinking about this and, and really praying and, and learning about this, I, I started thinking about Mother Teresa and I heard one of the quotes that she said is that, yes, I'm serving the, the materially poor out here in Calcutta, India, but you in America have this deep spiritual poverty. And, and that was that sort of dialogue in my in my mind, in my heart, was really stirring as I was entering deeper into my prayer life with God. Because when I was in Erie, Pennsylvania, I was working for a professional basketball team. And there was no class. So when I was a manager at Oregon State, I had class. But there was, there was no class. Nothing actually started until 11 or 12, 11 a.m. or 12 noon. And Mass was offered every single day at a church about 200 yards away at 8 a.m. So I essentially had no excuse not to go to Mass and, and deepen in my prayer life. I, I remember it was just kind of these, these little steps in the way where God was moving me. And in other conversations that I had to start considering moving on from sports and, and moving into ministry, and in particular, talking to a friend, just thinking, okay, we were talking about these topics of this, this great need in the world, this great spiritual hunger. And, and the question came up, why not you, Chad? And so I started wrestling with that on my internship and thinking, okay, here's the sports world. This is a path I could go. And this is the path that I've really been investing four years of my, my time, my money, my ed- education, my efforts, and so on. Or I could go this path of, of sports or ministry. I could go of this path of, of ministry. So that's really where I, I felt like I, I got to that second step of resisting the call because I, I felt like that, okay, there's that investment of, of four years. There's four years of my life. Did I waste that? Now, I was at that time really feeling the call to help others in some way, shape, or form. This this deep level of, this deep value of mine, which is of, of service, being able to serve others. And I, I started thinking about how the sports and entertainment world is going to live on. And if I'm going to work with them, I'd just be a part of that sports and entertainment world. But I could go this other direction of being able to impact people's lives, being able to transform people's lives. And so I started moving in that that direction. And I, I got to say, and I, I'm just going to be honest, that I'm no Hollywood story. I personally didn't resist the call so much. I really felt like God was calling me away from sports and, and he had his hand in, in guiding me. I, I do feel like the resistance was more so about thinking about what other people might say, my friends, my family, and so on. Like my, my dad, yeah, he's he's a Catholic Christian, and so I, I figured he'd be supportive. My mom and sister are not really religious, and ultimately it, it might have been a surprise just saying, hey, I'm moving on from sports, especially all the, the stuff that I've done, and I'm, I'm looking at doing ministry instead. I, I think that there was definitely some surprise to begin with, but I, I'm very blessed that they were ultimately very supportive. But then also thinking, too, about some of my high school friends. I still get together with my, some of my high school friends and just thinking about, okay, what are they going to say when I'm moving on from sports and getting into ministry? Or it, ultimately, they, they were they were supportive, too, but it, it comes, you know, comes with challenging conversations from time to time. And then also... I remember there was a one of my advisors for my, my thesis was a very strong atheist. And I was just kind of like, oh, what if I have to have a hard conversation? But I think that that's 
the way that the Lord has really has shaped me and shapes us with these sorts of hard conversations, really, I realized the answers to the faith that I started learning were, were very important because I had been challenged in the past. So that, that resistance was good because it forced me to look up the answers that had been presented to me. And then because I started learning those answers, I started deepening in my own faith as well. And that all allowed me to really get to that next step of cross, crossing the threshold. I was leaving the sports world behind. I, I made that, that commitment, I'm going to do this. And I had previously had a lot of momentum where I really felt like I had a promising career. I had connections to the Knicks, obviously working for the minor league basketball team at the time for my internship. And then also I, I had some connections to the, the Boston Celtics because our head coach in the, the minor league basketball team actually became an assistant for the Celtics and he's still there and also had some connections at, at some other universities, University of Miami, Gonzaga. There, there were a couple of other, other possibilities that I could have capitalized on if I wanted to continue my career in sports. And I just decided, all right, I'm going to give it maybe a year or two as a missionary, maybe become a teacher after that, who knows. And so I went back to Oregon State University. That's where I, I started my, my missionary career. And when I was back at, at Oregon State, I started to do just, just a volunteer year helping the campus ministry and whatever was, was needed there. And then after that, I really felt like the Lord was, was calling me to the, the culture project where I was doing, I, I was speaking to middle schoolers and high schoolers, and I was giving presentations on human dignity, sexual integrity, and so on. And during my time with the Culture Project, I ended up going to the Augustine Institute, studying for a master's degree in theology for two years, and then became a missionary for focus on campus for, for two years. And so that, that kind of gives you an idea of my story as I crossed the threshold. It wasn't one to two years. It ended up just became, becoming one thing after another, another year, and God just kept calling me to that. And at, going from crossing the threshold into the road of trials— you might think that the biggest struggles might be getting into an argument with a student about the existence of God. Certainly those sorts of things happen from time to time. Those certain sorts of questions come up from time to time. But in all reality of my missionary experience, one of the biggest trials was definitely community life. Really building a habit of loving those who are very different from you. And, and I think that that's what being a missionary really helps you grow in. It's it's a school of love in a way. Because I, I think about my first team when I was with the Culture Project. I had teammates. Now think, of, think about a map here. So I was from Portland, Oregon. I had a teammate from New Jersey. I had a teammate from Houston, Texas. and another from Toronto, Canada. And I had another from Hayes, Kansas. So it's about as perfect as you could go northeast, southwest, and central because we're coming from so very different backgrounds, we have very different personalities, and there's a lot there. There was a, a lot of conflict that year that would come up, but because I understood it as a school of love, I, I was able to start working on my ability to resolve conflict, the ability to when I'm in conflict with somebody to be able to step out and resolve that, or when I had two teammates who were just kind of tolerating one another, or there were full blown conflicts to be able to figure out how do we talk this out? How do we remember that we respect each other? And how do we find what we both really want 
out of this situation. And of course, another thing in the Roto Trials that I, I found that any missionary probably cites as a big trial is fundraising. Probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And I, I know many other missionaries would probably say the same, at least in terms of the intensity of a fundraising season. I remember getting on a plane during training for Culture Project. There's about 15 of us who, who took a flight from Philadelphia and flew all the way down to Tucson, Arizona, where we had training for the very first time. And it, it was amazing just to kind of look around the room and see all these different missionaries from all these different Christian denominations coming together and learning how to support raise. And I just remember thinking, how am I going to be able to raise $36,000? I mean, the most I had raised probably selling entertainment books or Gold C was like, you know, 150 bucks. Like, how am I going to raise $36,000? Now, it's... It, what what it was though it, it was just a really amazing experience to get started really raising a salary and not just raising a salary because you raise a, a salary plus ministry expenses and fees and so on but it was just very profound in, in the way that this this process goes about and it's something that I still employ today as I still work for focus basically you you share the need you share the vision and then you invite people to be a part of the mission as they, they join through prayer in, in financial partnership. It was definitely very challenging in that first summer. I really felt like a, I, I hit a wall. I, I wasn't able to reach my goal. And it, there, there were definitely some, some maybe major struggles that I had had during that time. I think the Lord really used that during that year of just saying, hey, Chad, trust me. Trust me in this, this process here. Going back to this, this is that section, the road of trials, really seeing how these these difficulties, these obstacles are just stepping stones to the next thing. And I got to the next summer where I encountered, I, I ran into a woman who I, I had talked to the previous summer. She, and I just ran into her at the church and she invited me in. She said, hey, I want to give you, I, I want to talk to you and, and give you contacts, give you contacts for people that I know in, in this area. And, and it was like, okay, here's, here's contacts here. And then I, I got other contacts from another person. And it was just like the grace of God really opened up that summer and, and moved me in my, my fundraising. And I surpassed my goal in the second summer. And, and I started to realize that that's oftentimes what happens is maybe the first summer you don't quite get there, but the second summer, it helps to, to push you forward and then continuing to, to go forth. And I, I realized that at that time, I had an aptitude for fundraising. And I, I realized later, a lot of it just had to do with the, the mentality. One, in being persistent and not giving up. And two, being resourceful. Really, what are the resources that I have and not being limited to the resources that I have currently, but how can I make more resources? And that that was just a real real blessing in there and and also seeing too the friendships that i've created the ways that i stayed in touch with people over the years because of fundraising knowing that it's quite likely that a lot of these friendships that i've developed over time wouldn't be as deep as they are because i wouldn't keep in touch with people as much 
And, and so it's just been a very beautiful thing to have an army of, of supporters to be walking with me on, on mission and, and praying for me and me praying for them all the time. So the, the, that's really that, that road of trials there that I encountered, especially on mission. But then the, the next step was supernatural aid. And, and I already alluded to the friendships, and I'll talk about those in, in a second. But I really do feel like supernatural aid came through prayer. As I was a missionary, I was very committed to praying an hour daily in, in being in relationship with God and, and frequenting the sacraments. And that, that is what I was, I was talking about earlier in this, this episode and the previous episode about how God comes out of the extraordinary to enter the ordinary. And he gives us his divine life. He gives us his grace. He gives us himself. That's really what I, I felt like over the course of, of the many years that I've been a missionary, entering year 10 now, really feeling like God has been guiding me. And I, I've been learning from God. He's been speaking to me in those times of prayer. And, and I just kept coming back to mission. It was no longer a one to two year thing. It was like, hey, this is definitely a good career direction that I can go. And at the same time, it wasn't just about the prayer and the sacraments. It wasn't just about my spiritual life. There was also a lot of personal growth that was going on. I had mentioned the, the team relationships that were helping me to learn how to navigate through conflict and resolve conflict. Well, there was also opportunities for personal growth. And during that time, I, I started learning about Dave Ramsey. I know a number of my friends had mentioned him and started doing some research. And I eventually took an online course with Dave Ramsey, it, just learning about basics of, of finances. And my story, I got to say, is not the conventional Dave Ramsey story where it's like, oh, yeah, hey, I paid off $25,000 of debt in 12 months. And, you know, there, there's a lot of those stories where he's helped millions and millions of people get out of debt and get, get on the right track. But I, I think my story is very helpful too, because I heard about the message before I got deep into debt. I was, at the time when I took the course, considering grad school. I was considering buying a Prius. And because of his course, he talked me out of out of all that, of like grad school and paying for a bunch of debt for grad school and, and buying a new car. So instead of paying for school and a new car, I invested that money. I saved that money and I invested that money. And I found a graduate school opportunity where I went on full scholarship. And at the end of all this, five years later, five years after taking this Dave Ramsey course, I was able to put 20% down for a, a down payment on a home five years later here in Denver, Colorado. And I'll, I'll probably talk about that in, in another episode about kind of that process and how I, how I got there. Cause it wasn't a bunch of magic tricks or anything. It was just consistent saving, investing in, in having a plan. And anyway, so the, there was that supernatural aid is just having this desire for personal growth. And then within that the supernatural aid, I think God sent me some very key friendships, some key people who, who helped me along the way. I remember one time I was in Miami on a speaking tour and I was speaking to young adults and I ran into, and ran into a guy he said he, he had just come, in, come from volunteering at a Tony Robbins seminar a couple of weeks ago. So Tony Robbins, not sure how familiar you are with, with him, but in the last month, like after this talk, I had just been 
giving this talk, in the previous month, I had just been researching motivational speakers to kind of give me a model for public speaking. And Tony Robbins, of course, is much more than a public speaker. But he came up as like one of the top public speakers, top motivational speakers in the world. And I remember just pulling up YouTube videos and I was just blown away watching him, watching his technique. And if you haven't seen him, check him out. There's YouTube videos out there. There's an, I think there's still a Netflix documentary. I am not your guru. It's just, it's mind blowing stuff of of the way that he works and he, he works with people and he coaches people. But one of the things that is he's most known for is the fire walk where I, I actually have done this a number of times and actually created the fire for this thing. But basically what the fire walk is at the end of day one of his seminar, he lays they, they lay out hot coals for thousands and thousands of people to walk over. And it's all about overcoming your fear. That's the that's the take home point of day one. That I remember that it's it's just like amazing doing doing that fire walk because it once you you get over that it feels like you can do anything because it's like you're you're conquering your fear so at first i had just been looking for skills like public speaking skills but then this had inspired me by by business business coaching and personal development coaching and and so just going back to this conversation it was just very providential that this name came up a couple of times in a very small period of time, Tony Robbins. And I I also, another friendship that I had had while I was at the Augusta Institute studying for my graduate degree, my master's degree in theology, I had a mentor who said to me, and this, this was Chris Stefanik, he said, why don't you pursue some sort of Catholic or, or Christian approach to what Tony Robbins is doing? Why don't you do some sort of business or or personal development coaching and that really that conversation there was really what got me on track that that's what got me going this direction of launching eighth day coaching in this eighth day coaching podcast because it was his encouragement that allowed me to say all right i'm going to attend a, a tony robbins seminar and i'm going to attend dave ramsey's financial coach master training and the just uh, reflecting on this as supernatural aid, that's where we are right now in in the hero's journey for me, that this whole idea of having these friendships, I really feel like God put me in these places to and inspired these these conversations at the right time to get me on on track to where I am. As I, I moved on, there there was also another supernatural aid of job opportunities. And not necessarily job opportunities that I was particularly proactively looking for, but the ones that kind of presented themselves to me. I mentioned that I was working for the Culture Project, very small mission organization at the time when I was working for them, probably about 25 to 30 people. And they, the, the director of development approached me one time and just said, hey, can you help me develop a fundraising program? I was just very excited about that. I, I mentioned some of my success earlier in, in my own fundraising and so I, I started working with her. What we did was we first created a training. Then we started rolling out a fundraising coaching program. And it was just really amazing as I, I look back on the fruits just to think about, wow, we did all that because I started coaching missionaries. Then I started training coaches, so other missionaries, to coach other missionaries. 
It was amazing to think where people were. Some were doing $500 a month. As time went on and as coaching happened, they increased that amount. By the time I left the culture project, the median missionary was raising about $2,500 per month. So in some cases, a a five-fold increase. I, I just remember a number of missionaries just like, realizing, yeah, I, I got this. And I've, I've just been so inspired by the success of those that I've worked with, those that I had coached. So to think about like Chris Stefanik in our, our mentorship conversation, when he said, why don't you pursue coaching? It all started to come together because of all these different things, the, the areas that I had been growing in, in, in personal development and the the job opportunities that I had had, the friendships, the conversations that have come up over time, those were all supernatural aid. God working through me. God also speaking to me during that time in my prayer. And while I was getting my master's degree in theology at the time, and I was able to to also deeply invest my, my time into prayer at that time, I started to look around to coaching programs. And so I started seeing, okay, maybe at some point I might do an intensive coach training program where I actually get hours in training in a classroom, but I also get practice coaching others. Well, my next step was actually once I graduated from the Augustine Institute, getting my master's degree in theology, I ended up taking a, a mission, another missionary position with Focus. And Focus is the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Basically, missionaries commit to two years of being on a college campus and training students to be leaders in the faith. And so I was serving, first served at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. And then I accepted a team director position at Washington State University where I, I was the, the, I guess, mentor, coach, and ultimately supervisor of four other missionaries at Washington State University. It was just like everything seemed to come together in, in many different ways because it allowed me to put my coaching into practice. But I, I was also allowed and, and encouraged to continue my own personal growth and my own personal development. And as I left campus, I accepted a position at the headquarters for Focus, and I now work in, in human resources. One of my jobs is that I get to coach the managers or regional directors in being able to work with any of their staff that might be struggling with a particular mission area. And, and so it's just been a real blessing that God has put me in these, these different places over the years. At the same time, as I had mentioned, the, the organization of Focus is very supportive of continued personal development of the employees, of the people that, that work for Focus. I started a training program just last November, and it was a seven-month coach training program where basically you have three weekend sessions, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so about 30 hours each each weekend. It was like November, February, and May. So kind of spaced out three months. And in between those sessions, you have about five to seven hours of classroom work or peer coaching each week. So it was a very intensive program, kind of like a master's degree intensive, maybe a part-time master's degree intensive in over, over a seven-month period. And I recently got my... Uh, my certificate in professional coaching from IPEC, the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. So I, I'm just very, very grateful that this was all able to come together and all the all the hard work was happening 
in, in this time. And so, yeah, just kind of reflecting on that, that spiritual aid, that supernatural aid of a prayer and being in relationship with God, personal growth, friendships, job opportunities, got me to the point of really victory in some sense, becoming a certified professional coach, having this, this victory. And with the victory comes blessing. And here's the blessing. The journey that I have taken allows me to coach you in this podcast, whether that be in this podcast or eventually in private coaching, if you want to go that route, this, this certificate, this victory allows me to coach you. There's been so many blessings along the way because I've been gaining all this experience, this expertise. I've been working with so many of, of my friends and the, and, and just like, just regular conversations. These coaching skills are amazing because they're skills that I think should be taught in grade school, middle school, high school, college. Simple skills like listening, active listening. I know it's mentioned we have public speaking classes, but we usually don't have public listening classes. But I, I do think that there would be some good benefits on a human level doing those sorts of things. So I, I think about other things too in terms of personal finances, like conversations that I've had with personal uh, about personal finances with others and helping them in those. Talking to other missionaries and, and kind of like, hey, what are your plans? What are your dreams? But not just what are your dreams, what are your God-inspired dreams? And we, we may have some desire for something, but how often do we take it to prayer? And do we allow God to speak into those desires? Because ultimately what he wants is what's going to make us happy. On health, my master's thesis was on the virtue ethics of eating in a processed food world. Everyone eats. There was a, a, a lot of research that went into that. I, I gained some, some knowledge along the way, and a lot of people are interested when, when that comes up as a topic of conversation. A lot of people like to, like to talk about that. So that might be a show in, in the future talking about that. And just let me know. I mean, if you, if you want, you can put, put something in the, in the comments below just to, to say, hey, that would be a, a topic that I would, I would love to do. And also relationships. I mean, I mentioned conflict resolution and the, the times that I've, I've worked through conflict resolution. But being able to take that into my own role, working with individuals or working with teams that are struggling with the conflict, who are stuck in a relationship or stuck in a certain situation in a relationship. Coaching has allowed me to have the the skills and the tools to be able to help people become unstuck and move forward. And as for me, because I've been so invested in personal growth, this, of course, has been such a big impact on my own life. Being able to ask myself the questions of what I need to move forward, really praying about those allowing that, that prayer to ask, ask those questions, having the humility to acknowledge that, hey, I don't know everything. It has greatly impacted my, my own prayer life. It has enhanced my own prayer life. And it has allowed, it, it's allowing God to really speak those empowering questions to me because of my training, because of my familiarity with that. And in addition, really just acknowledging what I'm feeling in, in the moment, that I'm feeling in a certain way, but also recognizing too, God saying, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel fear or feel angst about this particular work situation. And, and just really regaining peace, 
that has certainly been one of the biggest blessings that has come along the way. So anyway, that was that was the final step there, the victory and in, in bestowing of blessings. My my life, I really believe, has been an adventure. Just going from the ordinary to the extraordinary, as I had mentioned in the, earlier in the show and throughout the show, I've really seen God leading me in life and, and in God's hand as he, he took me from, from one place to another. So just taking action, I want to encourage you to take action here. How does the hero's journey apply to your life? Let's say, take some time to journal. Think about it. Step one, the call to adventure. What's your adventure? Step two, the refusal of the call. Step three, crossing the threshold. Step four, supernatural aid. Step five, the road of trials. And step six, victory and the bestowing of blessing. Obviously, your journey is not over. I applied these areas to my life, especially in the area of coaching, which is my the area of my profession. And I tell the story different if I were talking about my personal finances or my relationships, my health, my faith. And you can apply these steps of the hero's journey to any of these areas of your life. And who knows, maybe you'll be at the refusal of the call right now or, or crossing the threshold or trying to cross the threshold in any of these areas. So just start thinking, what's what's an area that, that you want to grow in? And, and maybe what, what is my hero's journey here? Or maybe it's a way of reflection of where have I come in my life, in my, in my relationships, my, my health, my, my personal finances. So just take the time to think about this, to, to pray about this, and, and remember that you are the hero of your own journey. And just as any hero has friends and mentors to help them on the road to victory, I'm here to be your coach. Whether it be podcasting or if you want to contact me for a private coaching session, notice that the areas that, that the areas my mentors and my friends have helped me with were not necessarily areas of crisis, because that's not necessarily what we're doing. Counseling and therapy oftentimes deal with some sort of area of dysfunction or trauma in life. That's not what coaching is for. Coaching is to optimize your future, to take you where you are and help you to enhance what you're already doing. Take a look at the show notes. There, there should be a survey in there if you want to want to share any any thoughts or any input for future episodes. Or if you'd like to contact me for a, a free session, my contact information should be there. So coaching means a lot to me, and I, I take your journey very seriously. I've, I've just been so inspired over the years by all those that I, I've been able to help. I, I really do care, and I really want to help you. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the 8th Day Coaching Podcast, and may God bless you. Live inspired. Live God inspired. I deeply appreciate you tuning into this episode of the 8th Day Coaching Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment or review. Also, check out the show notes for any resources I have mentioned or ways you may want to connect with me for any questions you have or to get more information on how I can coach you personally. Live inspired. Live God inspired.